0: What's up, y'all? How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> doing good? Awesome, guys. And those uh, testimonies, super encouraging. Yeah. Thank you, Craig and Bailey, for sharing that. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. God is in the business of changing and transforming lives for real. So we'd love to see you guys um, every week here at College Night, but also at Far Street and Revive. It's going to be a big, huge win. Uh, let me see uh, one more time. Show of hands. First time guests in the house real quick. Just want to give a shout out. What's up, y'all? Thanks for coming. We love having new faces here. So glad you guys decided to come. Um, If you are new, my name is Mitchell Welch, and I'm the college pastor. And I've been doing that for the last a little over five years now. Love my job and love college students, believing you guys like crazy. And thankful that I get to do this. I am also an Aggie, class of 2010. A whoop. Anybody? Oh, yes, I am old. Yeah. Studied kinesiology. Any kines majors in the house? Woo! All right, all right, come on. And I uh, did that to be a coach and teacher. And I did t- uh, coaching during uh, my student teaching, but then got a teaching job right out of college down in Navasota, Texas. It's 20 minutes south of here. Did that for a couple years before I got the job here. Also met my wife in college. Uh, my, her name's Beth. And we actually met at a prayer meeting our junior year. It's a little shout out to prayer meetings. <laughs> They're not boring, y'all. I met my wife there, all right? It's awesome. And uh, we started dating right after senior year. And a year later, got married. Been married for seven years now. Got three amazing kiddos. Life moves fast, y'all. Three kids. I've got a six-year-old named Josiah, three-and-a-half-year-old named Micah. And new addition to the Welch family this summer. Got a -a uh, two-and-a-half-month-old named Arabella Rose. And she is a cutie. Man, that girl, she just, she's got me. It's pretty awesome. But uh, love for you guys to, I don't know you, I'd love to meet you after the service, and then throughout the semester, my wife and family will be here in and out, and would love to say what's up to you guys. Um, so we're going to kick off college nights doing something pretty awesome that I'm super excited about, all right? So we are doing these college nights, the first two Wednesday nights of every month this semester, so I'm pumped about that. And we decided that, you know what? To start off this year, we might as well be super just clear and to the point with what are we all about. And so we're gonna do a two part series called Jesus and His Mission. Everybody say, Jesus and His Mission. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the purpose of these college nights, hopefully you already feel it, but we're here to get in the Prince of God and to worship and to be encouraged by just being with Him, but also through testimonies, through messages. Our hope is that you guys are stirred up to go live out your faith. How many of you guys know that the teachings of Scripture are not just good ideas to store in our brain, but it's actually a life to live? You guys know that? James says it really clearly in James chapter one that we're not called just to be hearers of the word, but what? Doers. To be doers of the word. That's our heart that a ministry, and that's why we gather here on Wednesday nights. So Jesus and his mission. What we are all about At our core is giving everything to Jesus and signing up and saying yes to being a part of his mission. This is it. This is who we are. This is what I believe, not just who we are as Antioch, but I believe this is like the clearest picture of what the ultimate purpose and goal of every single Christian on the planet is and should be, is that we are a people committed to Jesus, saved by him, committed to him fully, and then saying yes to being a part of his mission. The Bible makes it just really simplified for us, and it, it breaks it down to two things that we're going to be hashing out over the next two weeks, and that is the Greatest Commandment and the Great Commission. How many of you guys have ever heard of the Greatest Commandment before? Anybody? Cool. Anybody heard of the Great Commission? All right, sweet. We're going to unpack those two over the next couple weeks and really dive deep into what does it look like to really be all about Jesus and his mission and live this stuff out. Okay, so the greatest commandment, that's actually found in Mark chapter 12. Anybody have a Bible with them tonight? Anybody? Bible readers, If you do pull that out, and you can start flipping to Mark chapter 12. Now, before we really dive into this greatest commandment, I want to take a few seconds and just be super honest with you guys. Is it okay if I'm a little bit honest tonight? Are you sure? It might make some of you feel uncomfortable, all right? But it's going to be good. So here's the deal. Uh, folks in my shoes, uh, especially this time of year, are tempted to do something. They are tempted to cater entire messages and even entire environments around pleasing people. They are, they, they, We're tempted to cater our messages, water them down a little bit so that everyone that comes and listens to us likes what we're saying, likes us, and feels comfortable and like wants to come and keep coming back. And I've just decided recently that that's not my goal. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's not why I'm here. Uh, Here's where it comes from. That desire comes from a deep place of insecurity. And it comes from a misunderstanding of what success is. Success is not a bunch of people that stay in a room, and it gets bigger and bigger, and it's just more butts to fill chairs. Success is butts to get off the chair and go live out the Word of God. (laughs) All right? There's a, uh, there's a trend in Christianity today. And um, it, it's the trend of just striving to be more appealing, more attractive. I uh, might throw words like relevant out there and just trying to be more cool. And, you know, if we're cool enough, say the right trendy words, if we have the right cool haircuts, if we dress the right way, if my jeans are skinny enough, then maybe... <laughs> Just maybe people will want to stick around and, you know, follow Jesus. And that's a joke. <laughs> when I look at the life of Jesus, listen, he just, he just did not care about what people thought of him or said of him. Literally, there's things that he said that just totally offended people. <laughs> and he wasn't doing it on purpose, I'm here to offend you. But there's this crazy story in John chapter 6 where Jesus shares this message. He says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me. People are like, what? You you to be a cannibal? What on earth? And a bunch of people started complaining, talking about it, and they literally began to leave. Many of his followers left. This is all in John chapter 6. And Jesus did not chase them down, but he literally looked at his 12 disciples and he said, you guys want to leave too? <laughs> so compassionate, you know. It's our beloved Jesus. He was consumed, Jesus was consumed with not pleasing man, but pleasing his Father in heaven. And that's all he really cared about. And as I'm growing as a, as a Christian, I'm realizing that's probably a good heart to have the rest of my life. Is that I love you guys. I'm for you, especially new folks. We love having you here. But just this is who we are. We're, we want to be a real and authentic people, and, and I <laughs> will be held accountable by God if I'm actually speaking the truth of this. Yes. And even if sometimes it hurts me, and sometimes if it hurts you, I am just I just got to do it. So that's what we're going to be doing at college nights. that so good? Yeah. <laughs> All good. I hope you feel comfortable in your chair. This is <laughs> awesome. So... Uh, I just, yeah, thank you for letting me get that off my chest, all right? Just had to to go ahead and had to say it, all right? So here's what we're going to do. You're at Mark chapter 12, and we are going to read the greatest commandment, and then we're going to pray and ask God to speak to us, all right? So here we go. This is Mark chapter 12. We are going to start in verse 28. It's a little context here. Um, You know, Jesus had been preaching and teaching and doing all sorts of amazing, miraculous things, but many times when he was teaching, people would give him some flack. They would try to say, all right how could you say stuff like that? Or who are you that you could speak with such authority? And many times they try to catch Jesus in a trap by asking him lots of questions. And this is one of those examples, uh, thankfully, that Jesus never gets trapped in a question here. So we'll see this one here, Mark 12, starting in verse 28. It'll be on the screen behind me if you don't have a Bible. It says this, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked Jesus, Which is the first or the greatest commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than, than these. All right, we're going to pray and ask God to speak to us through his word. Lord, thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and it is active and it is powerful and it has power to change us and transform us. And Lord, as we look into this greatest commandment, Lord, you know the prayers I've prayed for years that, Lord, I want to be a man that is known for this, that I live out the greatest commandment in my everyday life. And Lord, I pray over every single person in this room tonight, Lord, I pray that this room be filled with people that take your greatest command seriously, that we apply it to our life, and that God, I pray tonight you would teach us how to live this out unto you, not for anyone else's approval, not to make a show for anybody, but Lord, unto you, I pray that we'd be a people, that you'd raise up an army in this room that would live out the greatest commandment. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. All right, guys. So what we're going to do is we're going to break this down tonight, and we're going to pull apart some of these verses. I think God's going to speak to us through it. All right, we're going to start in verse 29 here. It says, Jesus his answer to this question, what's the greatest commandment? What's the biggest thing I can do as a, as a, as a Christian, as a follower? What can I do? And Jesus said in verse 29, this is the first of all the commandments, is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Let me pause there. Jesus' first response of, hey, what's what's the greatest commandment? What's the biggest thing that I can do? He responded not with something to do. He responded with, here's God. And here's what I think God wants to teach us through this. I think this room is probably full of people that want to follow Jesus, want to learn at least about him, want to have him as a part of your life. The very first thing that you need to know (laughs) is not what to do but it's who to know. If we miss this very first part that all of Christianity is about not things to do, but about a person, then we've missed the whole point. This is it, is that we know God. He is real. He is alive. I believe he's here. He's present by the Holy Spirit in this room right now. And he has allowed us through the death and resurrection of Jesus that we just sang about to come into an amazing relationship with him. Before we do anything for him, he wants us just simply to know who he is. It reminds me of a prayer that Paul uh, prayed for the church in Ephesus. It's in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians is this amazing book that gives so many practicals about how to live out the Christian faith. But in chapter 1, he starts with a little prayer, Ephesians 1.17. He's praying for the church. He says, I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Before he unpacks what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus, he says, here's what I'm praying, that you would have revelation, understanding of who God is. It goes on to say that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened and opened up and you would understand the amazing story of the gospel. He's saying, first, you got to know God. Uh, My junior year of college, I remember this, I felt like the reality of this verse just hit me in a fresh way where I had maybe my most significant revelation of the greatness and the glory of God. I was on campus again junior year at a prayer meeting. I think I'd, by this time I'd already met my wife. But anyways, I wasn't distracted by that. I, uh, I showed up this prayer meeting, and it was at All-Face Chapel. Anybody ever been to All-Face Chapel before on campus? <laughs> right there across from Butel. You know, you can get sick, but then you just go to the All-Face Chapel and just get prayed. you know? So I'm showing up to this meeting, and... It was led by another ministry, another organization, and honestly, I was having a rough time. I had already led prayer meetings before, and I I was sitting there trying to worship, but honestly, unfortunately, I was kind of critiquing uh, what was happening in the meeting and thinking things like, oh, I could have totally done this better. And uh, anyways, I was also repenting because I realized that those thoughts and judgments were not from God. (laughs) So I'm having this conversation of, oh, that was a bad note. Oh, you missed that. Oh, that was awkward. But, oh, Lord, forgive me. I, I'm here to worship you, I thought. Anyways, after each awkward transition, there is a moment where uh, they left a, just a couple minutes of silence for people to pray if they wanted to pray something out loud. In a couple rows behind me during one of these awkward moments of silence, this girl just starts praying. And what she was praying is so simple. She was just praying about who Jesus is. She said, Lord Jesus, you are the alpha and the omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are God in flesh. You're the one who's been prophesied for thousands of years before you came. You are king forever and eternal. You are glorious and powerful. She just goes on and on and on about who Jesus is. And I'm, I'm standing there in my chair, and as she's praying, just all of a sudden I just get hit, not just with thoughts in my mind, but like deep in my spirit, this understanding that Jesus is a much bigger deal than I thought he was. (laughs) And I just begin to imagine Jesus just glorious, shining in his beauty and his strength, the one literally that has no beginning and has no end, the one that is beyond my understanding, the one that he allows me to talk to him, just Jesus, like his glory. It was just revelation of who he was. And as I, I literally, I felt it in my heart, in my spirit. And I literally began to just kind of shake a little bit and tremble. And I was like, what is happening? And it was so strong that I literally could not stand anymore. So I'm like on my knees. But then the rows at All Chapel are really small, so that didn't work too well. So I was like, I guess I got to go down. So I just kind of go down here, <laughs> just kind of in the fetal position. <laughs> this, this is not my everyday occurrence, by the way. This is like one of very few times where God has met me like this. And I'm just literally in a ball. I'm weeping at this point. I'm shaking still. I don't know what's happening. But all that I can come out of my mouth is, Jesus, Jesus, just saying his name over and over again. And I just got hit with revelation of how amazing and glorious he is and that he was a much bigger deal than I thought he was when I walked into that prayer meeting. It just so happened that one of the reasons I was there at the prayer meeting was I was there to actually give an announcement for another prayer meeting that was happening uh, a week or two later. It also just so happened when this thing happened to me that I was supposed to get up and share that announcement. So the girl that's in charge literally kind of just came up to me, and I think she literally just poked me. She's like, Mitchell, uh, (laughs) you okay down there? (laughs) You you still want to give this announcement? And unfortunately, I said, "Uh, yeah, yeah, I will. Bad answer. <laughs> so, like, get off the floor. I'm like wiping my tears and snot and just trying to like get myself all kind of, you know, cleaned up. <laughs> and I walk up in front of, I don't know how many people, 50 or 100 people that were there. And I was, I looked a mess. And I'm like, fumbled over some words. And I said, Oh, yeah, it's, uh, Jesus is alive. He's real tonight, guys. <laughs> There's a prayer meeting happening a couple weeks from now at Simpson. So, hope to see you there. Nobody came to that prayer meeting. For real, nobody came to that prayer meeting. And get off the stage, and I'm like, why did I just say that? And anyways, I didn't really care that nobody came to the prayer meeting, because what happened to me that night marked me forever. I I had this encounter with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, whatever that is, and I had this understanding of Jesus being much more glorious than I realized he was. And I remember telling my friends the next day, I'm like, guys, Jesus is a big deal. I know we like love him and like talk about him and do the prayer meetings and stuff, but he's like bigger than we even thought he was. He's not just our homeboy. He, he's like king and he's Lord and he's like got fire in his eyes and he shines like the sun. This is the Jesus that we talk about. That moment totally changed me. But you know what's so crazy about who God is, the full picture is though he's so glorious, He's a God that's so personal and he draws so close to us. Can you imagine that for a second? Imagine, okay, Genesis 1 1, in the beginning, God created. What was before Genesis 1 1? God! (laughs) His glory, his beauty, an uncreated being, it is beyond our comprehension. Nobody can understand how glorious and amazing he is, he's infinite. Yet, yet, he draws us close and says, I'm going to let you know me. I know you, and I'm going to invite you into relationship with me. This is crazy. And this relationship is not like he's not a stern God frowning at us. He's a God of love. He's a God that knows you personally, knows me very personally, yet loves us fully. He knows everything good, everything bad, everything in between, About you, yet he loves you so much. As we talk tonight about the greatest commandment, we have to start here, that God is amazing. He's glorious. It starts with revelation of him. And then it's so amazing that he draws us close and he draws us close by his love. And the only right response, if that is actually true about God, that he's so glorious, yet draws us close and loves us, the only right response is to love him back. That's the only thing that would make sense. First John 4.19, a lot of you guys are familiar with it, says that we love him because he first loved us. The natural response of being loved so greatly by a God so big is to love him back. And that is exactly what the greatest commandment goes into next. Verse 29 is about here's who God is. Verse 30, here's what you do. You shall love the Lord your God. Now, just a second, I'm going to break down the four, uh, I guess, elements of how we love them, how we show our love, heart, soul, mind, and strength. But first, let me pause at this first part. It says, you shall love the Lord your God. This word love in the Greek is an active or better put, interactive verb. It's not just a feeling or emotion. It is literally a verb in the Greek and it's active and it's interactive, meaning that loving God implies that we're actively showing it. Don't miss this. There's, act, there's, there's, there's action involved in this. How does that action play itself out? He draws near to us. We draw near to him. We get to know him and we get to spend time with him. I believe literally there's no greater way to show love to someone than by spending focused quality time with someone. And if you've been around Antioch long enough, you'll hear us say this phrase and emphasize this thing called spending time with God or time with Jesus. Anybody heard that phrase yet? <laughs> I heard it in a testimony earlier tonight. And it is this, uh, it, it, is, it is a devotional time. It's alone time with God. And I believe it is, it is the best application of what it looks like to actively love God is by spending time with him in his presence, reading his word and just connecting with him. And let me, let me go ahead and explain it a little more practically. It's really a simple concept to understand. Spending th- time with God, all it means is waking up 30 minutes, hour earlier than you need to be somewhere. And it's getting alone with God by worshiping him. That can mean literally putting on headphones and putting one true worship songs on. It could be praying, which is just simply talking to him. You can pray for yourself. You can pray, God, help me follow you. Help me be a man or a woman of God. Help me give you all my heart. You can pray for those around you, roommates, classmates, professors, whatever, your family. And then also it looks like just spending time in his word, just reading about him in writing down things that you're learning as you read the Bible. Any one of you can do that. Did you know that? You don't have to be a special pastor or you don't have to go to seminary to do that. Did you know that? Any one of us uh, can do it. And uh, literally, I believe that (laughs) there is nothing that has been more transformational in my life than consistently daily getting in God's presence. I am so thankful for that moment at All Face Chapel, but that was one moment but what has changed and transformed me more than anything is just consistently, daily, uh, uh, saying yes to the discipline of getting with God every single day. And, guys, here's the deal. In your generation, I'm going to say your because I'm a little older than you, your generation <laughs> struggles, I think, with this whole concept of something that could be called a discipline because it's boring. Do the same thing over and over again. Religious. (laughs) Meeting with the creator God of the world who spoke the world into existence. And literally by every breath I breathe is because he's allowed me to live. Spending time with him. Boring. It's a routine. It's a ritual. I thought we, you know, got rid of religion. It's about relationship. Yes! (laughs) You want to have a relationship with somebody? You guys spend time with them. And this generation is craving for the next wow moment, the next conference or camp high. And we don't have to live that way anymore because those things might impact you for a moment. But what what will change you and transform you forever is if you build a daily simple discipline of getting with God every single day. That has been absolutely the most transformational thing that's ever happened in my life is saying yes to this. Some mornings it's hard. Sometimes I sleep through my alarm, but I'm not quitting. The next day I'm I'm waking up and I'm getting with them. And let me say this, if this is brand new to you, you've never done this before, this whole idea is strange to you, that is okay. Wherever you're at in the journey is fine. Literally, there are people all over this room that do this consistently and would love to help you and would love to show you. In fact, if somebody doesn't offer to teach you how to spend time with God in the next seven days, then I want you to tell me who your life group leaders are, and I want you to tell me who some people in your life group are, I want you to send me an email with their name and their number and their address, and I will, you know, just give them a pastoral home visit, just kind of talk things through, okay? Yeah, 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 we'll just talk it through. Seriously, like everybody here, I mean, that that has this as a daily part of their life, I don't think they've disagreed with the fact that, wow, it has changed me. As I continually bring my heart before God, he's actually actually changing me. My desires in life are actually being transformed. I actually want God more. and I want sin less. This is is crazy. If you struggle with this or uh, want to grow in it, then just ask somebody for help, and hopefully someone will ask you in the next seven days. let's keep going here in the greatest commandment. So verse 30, part one said, you shall love the Lord your God. And it says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Let's focus in on that word all for a minute. Now, before we get too extreme, I looked up the word all in Greek, and it turns out that actually it means like just a little bit of your heart, uh, some of your mind, uh, just part of your soul, and, and just most of your strength. So just want to make sure you feel comfortable um, with what the Bible teaches. Um, well, turns out, actually, the word all means all. <laughs> and it means it means whole. It means complete. So when the Bible teaches, Jesus literally, he's like, guys, this is it. This is this is the summary. Is to love God with all, completely your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, everything within you. The baseline for Christianity is that you surrender all of everything to Jesus. That is literally actually more biblically the entry point into Christianity is surrender everything. Unfortunately, where we're at today, especially in the Western church, is that, you know, after you've been kind of in church, felt comfortable for a couple years, then we'll like actually start challenging you to surrender and give some things up to God so you really start following him. And that is just not what the Bible teaches. Sometimes I wish that, you know, during altar calls and stuff, you had to, like, jump over some barbed wire and climb some fences and get to get down here because actually the call to give your life to Jesus is like a call to give him everything. And it's hard to follow him. Now, wherever you're at is fine. He will, God will accept you at step one. But I've just got to be clear. Like I talked about earlier, I can't preach another message that's not from the Bible. And God says, give give me everything, all, completely. You know, there's a difference between accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior and giving your life to him. This is where I'm going to poke at something. The first one implies that you're adding Jesus to your already busy and full life. Where, okay, I check off Christianity chart, got it, I'm I'm good. You know, he's my Lord and Savior, okay, cool. The other one implies he has my everything. Like, my life actually belongs to him. And that's, that's the invitation, that's the call of what it looks like to love God with all of our heart. And living in complete surrender to Jesus is actually the most freeing life you can live. Because what that means is that you're not in charge of your life anymore. You're not in charge of your future anymore. You don't have to fret and worry about every detail of your life because your life doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to God and he will work out the details of your life. It's a freeing thing to be completely surrendered in the hands of God. He's in charge and not me. And so to me, that's pretty freeing. So let's break this down. We're going to look at heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to give you a couple of specific things in each of those categories of what that could really look like, what that means. So here we go. Love the Lord God with all your heart. Your heart speaks of your emotions, your desires, your passions. And we are called to love God with all of those things, for him to be the greatest desire of our lives, the greatest desire in our heart. There's a guy in the Old Testament named David, familiar character, and he was known as a a guy after God's own heart, and he really got a hold of loving God with all of his heart, and literally God became David's one desire. He said it this way in Psalm 27 verse 4. Write that reference down. It's also on the screen behind me. Psalm 27 4, this is what David said. He says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. David was a guy that had a lot, a lot of power, a lot of influence, a lot of money, a lot of people under him. But he literally he said, past all that stuff, here's what I really want: more than a job, more than a career, more than marriage, more than this. The one thing I want with all my heart is to desire Jesus, desire God. To be holy and completely his. And that is what God is calling us to be. A people that want Jesus first and foremost in our life. How do you do that? I don't know any other, there's no magical formula. It's just simply this. Ask God, Lord, would you be the desire of my heart? Would you be the one desire of my heart? Would Psalm 27:4 be true of my life? Just start there and see what God does if you do that consistently. All right, let's look at the soul. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. It's a little tricky because sometimes we just don't have a clue what soul means, all right? A heart makes sense because we have one of those. And then mind is up here, strength, okay, yeah, let's get get swole. So how, soul, how do you, I believe your soul speaks of like the deepest place inside of you, your will, your motives and intentions in life, the place where you ultimately like make decisions and choose this way or that way. And we're called to love him with all of our soul. Do you guys want to know a scary verse in the Bible? Yeah. Man. yeah. I'm going to read it to you anyways, because I think it will be helpful. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 talks about how God looks even into our soul, the deepest place of our being. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says, The word of God is living and active, and it's powerful, sharper than to any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> what does this mean? It means that my soul, the deepest place of me, the places where no one, else, none of you can see. You can't see my soul, but God can see it. He sees the motives and intentions of my heart. And in fact, I literally will be held accountable to him. I will have to give an account to him one day of the motives and intentions of my heart. So what does that mean for me is I ask God pretty consistently That from deep within me, I would honor him and love him and honor others from deep within my heart and my motives and my soul, the deepest places of him. And when I find things in there, occasionally I do find things in there that don't seem to be honoring to God or honoring to other people, I don't freak out and shut down. I quickly, as quick as I realize it, come to God and say, Lord, forgive me for having that really selfish ambition and motive and why I did that for that person. God, forgive me that my intentions are off here, that I want something selfish. I just want something from this person instead of wanting to like actually bless them and serve them. I quickly go to God and I say, Lord, forgive me. I confess it. And I ask God to change me. And guys, great news. If you do that, God is faithful to forgive you, to cleanse you, and even to change your heart and your intentions. You don't have to give up and quit on whatever the thing is that you're doing you just simply repent and ask God to change your intentions, and he will be faithful to do that. God is so good and so forgiving, and he's faithful to change us. Next, the mind. We want to love God with all of our mind. Um, this speaks of your thoughts, your mindsets, your imaginations. It's everything that goes right here in your mind, even your thoughts about other people. That We want to love God with our mind here. We want to honor others with our mind. The Bible teaches us in Romans 12 too, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It says, Romans 12, too, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And here's the deal, y'all. I don't know of any better way to have your mind renewed and transformed other than diving in full force to the word of God. <laughs> this is the best way that your mind can be totally renewed and transformed, is that if you become a man or a woman committed and devoted to the Word of God. And guys, do you know that this book gets so much flack from lots of people? I would say it's probably pretty rare that any of your professors um, believe this is actually worth anything. But throughout ages, though this book has gotten so much flack, it's actually turned out good for us because the more study and research and and people trying to prove this thing is totally worthless, the more we find out that it is the most reliable book in all of the world. (laughs) It is the most biblically, historically, archaeologically accurate book ever written. The things that come closest to it pale in comparison to the studies that guys have done to figure out if this is actually accurate and if there's true eyewitnesses that wrote about Jesus. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? It's also the best-selling book of all time, too, so that's that's cool. A lot of books and a lot of copies in print, all right? And uh, we as a college ministry, are committed to living our life underneath the word of God. We submit our lives to his word. There's a lot of great resources out there that can help you if you're ever struggling with doubt of this is reliable or not. A lot of resources out there, easy to find. Okay, resources on the the accuracy of the Bible. But here's the deal. We renew our minds when we commit ourselves and we make God's word our delight. And when we devour it and literally eat it up like our food every single day. So I want to encourage you to make time, make sure that the word of God is a part of your life. Right, last but not least, love the Lord your God with all your strength. Unlike I joked earlier, this does not mean that we all have to go to the gym and get super swole and jacked and ripped, okay? What does this mean with our strength? Okay, I do think it has to do with our physical body, like our actions, even our words, our energy, and even our time. Just the things that we exert from ourselves. we want to even submit that to the Lord. And... Simply, again, in order to grow in this, all you could do is just start with asking God, Lord, would you help me love you and honor you with my physical body, with my health? Would I honor you with the words that are coming out of my mouth? Would I honor you with the, with the way I'm spending my time and my resources and my energy? Guys, you know that time, as a college student, is one of the greatest gifts that you have? And Some of you might feel like you're the busiest you've ever been in your life, and that might actually be true, but life only gets busier, y'all, for real. <laughs> Um, and there, there is time that you have that can be used for purposeful things or not. It could be used to honor God, serve others, or it could be used for selfishness. And my challenge to you is cut out the things that are time wasters in your life and use that extra time to serve other people and get more time in God's presence. You will not regret that. So we want to love the Lord our God with all of our strength. So this is it, guys. Jesus literally summarized all of the Bible in just a couple verses. (laughs) This is the point of the Christian life, to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to get understanding of who he is and to respond in a place of love. Now, I wanna end with this. What would it look like if a room full of four or 500 people took this seriously? What would it look like? What would actually happen if we had hundreds of students, maybe even thousands, surrendering their life to Jesus, spending time with Him daily, Surrendering everything to him. It reminds me of the very first people that did this, the early disciples, the early church. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, there's this little window, little snapshot into what these guys, like how did these guys living this way affect those around them? It's so simple. Acts 4:13, it says that when they, the religious leaders of the time, saw The boldness of Peter and John. Peter and John were early disciples, early followers that were surrendering their life to Jesus. He said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They were astonished. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Uneducated, untrained guys, common folks. Folks that didn't have degrees yet. They didn't have a list of seminary um, all these a- accolades and all this stuff, he, just uneducated, normal, common men, but the one defining factor is that they had been with Jesus. They, they had seen him. They'd beholden him. They had given their whole heart and life to him. And guys, for us, we can do the same thing. We don't have to wait until you get a degree. You don't have to wait until you're not a freshman anymore. You don't have to wait till you graduate. You don't have to wait until you're married. You can start now by getting a glimpse of who God is knowing that he's a God that pulls us close, loving him and spending time with him and just surrendering your life to him. You can start now. And guys, I believe that people on our campus would notice. Just like these guys, they would say, wow, this is crazy. I guess you've been with Jesus. <laughs> Classmates would notice. They'd ask, what is so different about you? I just heard a testimony from a guy yesterday that just spent all summer around people that had no relation with God, but he followed Jesus. He spent time with Him. He served other people. And literally a month in, they're just like, what is different about you, man? And he just got to share about Jesus. Guys, people will notice when we surrender our life to Him. And I believe that our campus would change. I believe that people would be impacted. Jesus would receive so much glory and honor, and so many other people would get a chance to know Him if we take this seriously. But here's how it starts. Again, the revelation of who God is. We then draw near to Him, spend time with Him. From that place, we surrender and give Him all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then we get transformed. People around us get transformed. So let's stand to our feet to respond to this message tonight. We'll make some space at the end of these college nights just to respond to what God is doing in our hearts. And I believe there's some specific things that God's been... And highlighted highlighting me throughout this week and today that I think he wants to do in some of us. I think there might be a few of you here in this room tonight where if you're honest with yourself, you've never really made that decision, that choice of, hey, I want to actually know Jesus for real, and I want to like start a real relationship with him. Maybe you've gone to church before, maybe you haven't. Maybe you've heard about Jesus before, but you know you've never really said, all right, I want to give my life to him. Maybe even prayed a prayer when you were younger, but I believe that God is inviting some of you guys to start and begin a real relationship with God tonight. Second thing is I believe that maybe the Lord is convicting some of us here that maybe you've settled for an appearance of, like, cool, good Christianity, and you're convicted to actually go deeper past the cool, past what everybody else's eyes think, and you want to actually live before the eyes of Jesus and His alone. And He wants to take you deeper in living that way and really knowing Him so personally. And last but not least, I believe that there's some of you here that the Lord's knocking on the door of your heart and saying, hey, there's a new level of surrender that I'm inviting you into. Maybe there's some things that you don't want to let go of in your heart or your life. And I believe the Lord is just saying, hey, if you give that to me, it actually will go well with you. It may not be an easy road ahead, but if you surrender that thing, whatever that thing might be, that you will actually find life and find freedom. Here's what we're going to do. Usually we have some folks come down and, and pray for each other. We might do that a little bit later, but let me let me start this way. Everybody go ahead and close your eyes just for a second. I'm going to ask a couple questions, and just shoot up your hand between you and God if any of these things apply to you. You're here tonight, and you know you have not ever given your life over to Jesus. You never trusted Him as Lord and Savior, and you want to do that tonight. You want to say, all right, I'm, I'm done with playing the game, I, and I'm, I want to know this Jesus that was talked about so much tonight. And right now, just go ahead and shoot up your hand right now. I just want to know, if there's anybody here in this room that says, all right, I want to get my life over, just go on. be bold. Just between you and God. Awesome. 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 Put your hands down. Next group of people, if you're here tonight, keep your eyes closed just for a second. If you're here tonight and you're a little bit convicted, like, man, maybe I've settled for just kind of this appearance of cool Christianity, but I want to get the real thing. I want to actually know Jesus for real. I don't want to just live before other people's eyes. I want, to, I want to make a change there. Then shoot up your hand right now. You're saying, all right, I want to make a change tonight. I want to say, I want to live for the eyes of Jesus alone. Come on, shoot up your hand. Roll, roll both. Awesome. Awesome. Put your hands down. Last thing, keep your eyes closed. Last question. If you're here tonight and you feel like the Lord is inviting you into a deeper place of surrender, maybe there's some things you've held on to a little bit too tightly and now it's time to let it go. And if God's prompting you, He's stirring in you, convicting your heart, saying, hey, just, just let it go to me. Then shoot up your hand real quick. If you've got something that you feel like God's inviting you to a fresh place of surrender. Awesome. Cool. You can put your hands down and open your eyes for a second. All right. Woo! It's encouraging, y'all. God's moving in your hearts. And there's real things that He's doing tonight. And so here's the next step. If you raise your hand for any of those things, here's the next step. We've got about uh, 12 minutes or so. Next step is to just get somebody to partner with you and pray for you for what God is already doing in your heart. They're not going to do anything special for you because only God is the one that can change your hearts. But the next step is get someone to pray for you. Share. Hey, this is why I raised my hand. This is what I want done in my life. This is what God's doing. And get someone to pray over you before you leave tonight. All right? Sound good? band's going to be up here playing a couple songs. If you're not receiving prayer from somebody, then just worship. Just continue to surrender more and more of your heart to God. Let me have just a couple of our Life Group Leaders, Section Leaders, just a few of you guys, not everybody. Just come on up here. If you did not raise your hand and you are a Life Group Leader, Section Leader, then come on up here. If you did raise your hand and you are a Life Group Leader, it's actually in the don't come up, just get prayer yourself, all right? Okay, I want to pray for us. And as I pray, if you want prayer, if you raise your hand for anything, just come on. Come down and get prayer. Get encouraged. Let somebody partner with you tonight. So, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing in this room. Thank you for how many hands went up. Just that, Lord, we're responding to your Holy Spirit. We're responding to what you're doing in our hearts. And, Lord, we want to be a people that are fully surrendered to you, that are living out this greatest commandment, that don't care what everybody else around us thinks, but are living before your eyes and your eyes alone. So, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and raising up the people here in this room that live this out for real. In Jesus' name. Come get prayer, guys. If you want prayer for anything, come on have and ask one of these friends.